Uh, I'm going to say no one's better than me. But <laughs> yeah, let's go. Blow up. Friday, June 26, 2020. If all goes well, we are approximately one month away from the opening of 2020 training camp. Welcome to Locked On Dolphins. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, managing editor of USA Today's DolphinsWire.com, diehard Dolphins fan, NFL draft analyst at the DraftNetwork.com, and I'm ready for some football. I know we're all ready for some sports and some normalcy in sports, and, and you know we're we're getting close to baseballs coming back and basketball, but nothing's gonna fill the hole in my heart quite like football. And I'm hoping that the uh, the protocols the NFL is is angling to put into place are gonna allow them to play, and and we can enjoy a football season this fall. But in the meantime, we are lucky to have so many outlets that are producing so much content in the offseason that give us plenty of compelling talking points to talk about. Today on the show, we're going to talk about depth. We're going to talk about depth of the Dolphins roster. We're going to talk about the talent of the Dolphins roster and put those two things into a spectrum comparatively to the rest of the NFL. And I'm going to draw upon a couple of friends. I've got friends at uh, USA Today's TouchdownWire.com. I've got friends over Pro Football Focus, and both of these two outlets have provided some good content and good discussion points, healthy discussion points for Dolphins fans to have regarding their team and their roster and so on and so forth. I don't necessarily agree with everything that they have to say, but we'll start with Mark Schofield of TouchdownWire, who has put together a list of the 11 thinnest rosters in the NFL. And the Dolphins do show up on this list. They're seventh. Ranked as the NFL's seventh most thin roster this season. Here's Mark had to say the following as it pertains to the Dolphins. Uh, Two things can be true. The Dolphins had a great offseason, and the Dolphins still have a thin roster. The Dolphins did have a great offseason. Uh, they enjoyed a ton of salary cap space and spent a ton of it adding players such as Byron Jones, Shaq Lawson, Kyle Van Noy, and Eric Flowers. They entered the draft with a ton of draft capital and added three first-round picks into a Tunga Bailoa, Austin Jackson, and Noah Igbenogany. Some of their later-round picks, such as Raekwon Davis, Curtis Weaver, and Jason Strobridge, have a chance to impact as a rookie. But these moves speak to the weakness of the roster entering the 2020 offseason. There were needs all over the field for the Dolphins, and while they did a great job of addressing them and might be more competitive than people think in 2020, the laundry list of needs this offseason and massive amounts of cap and draft capital spent addressing them speaks to the lack of depth and talent on the roster, which makes the job Brian Flores did with this team a year ago that much more impressive. Very fair synopsis by Mark. Uh, I think if you look at the Dolphins roster, there are areas of strengths and weaknesses. I would start with the defensive back seven, especially as a deep unit. The linebacker group and the secondary group is deep. The interior defensive line, I like that we got heavy hitters. And Raquan Davis coming in and Christian Wilkins. 
and Devon Godchow is in a contract year. The edge defenders, we're going to have to see some guys step up. These young guys have to step up for us to qualify this as having depth because it's Shaq Lawson and Emmanuel Agba. Right, two guys that aren't super dynamic pass rushers, but they're accomplished power rushers and will do that for the Dolphins. Kyle Van Noy will be sprinkled in. He'll probably be a prominent pressure presence, but he is, again, more of an outside linebacker. So your outside pass rush threat, we're going to need some, some bodies to stand up. Free safety, we talked about in general the depth of the secondary and how many guys with corner experience the Dolphins have. That gives them an embarrassment of riches to work with. But the free safety position specifically, Bobby McCain is either going to have to take another step forward or this team is going to have depth but no starter. Long-term view. Offensively, I think the interior offensive line is in much better shape than the offensive tackle position as far as depth goes. We've got Austin Jackson and presumably Robert Hunt playing the two tackle spots. Those guys, as rookies, they're going to have to prove themselves. And behind them, you've got nothing. You have nothing. Julian Davenport was one of the worst offensive tackles in football last year, and Jesse Davis is probably going to get pressed into playing at right guard if Robert Hunt's going to play at right tackle. So you don't have any depth at offensive tackle. The wide receiver group, you've got a really good one in Devontae Parker. You've got a promising young two in Preston Williams, and everybody else is either injury-prone or in a contract year. The Dolphins don't have depth at wide receiver. They don't have depth at tight end. And I keep going back to the phrase, Rome wasn't built in a day, and it wasn't. So for the Dolphins, they prioritized what needs they wanted to get fixed, and they fixed them. That's all you could possibly ask for the Dolphins to do in one offseason. Oh, right, they got a franchise quarterback of the future as well in Tua. Now, who are the teams around the Dolphins? The good news is, if you're looking for silver linings, of the six teams that were rated as Having more thin rosters than the Dolphins, the Dolphins play four games against those teams, the New York Jets, Jacksonville Jaguars, and the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. So the Dolphins get four four games against teams that are less deep, according to Mark, than they are. And there's another game on the schedule that the Dolphins have drawn for 2020 that is against another team that made this list. So in all, if you're looking at the Dolphins' schedule, they've got five teams, LA Rams being the other team on the list. Five games against teams who are comparatively thin or more thin than the Dolphins in Mark Schofield's eyes. If the Dolphins can take care of business, say they go 4-1 and one in that stretch. Okay, now you've got 11 games. Can you go 500 in that group? Because if you go 4-1, and one, and then you end up going even 5-6 and six in the other stretch, you're 9-7 and seven for the year. And that, again, falls right in line with what I would expect if all goes well for the Dolphins. I'm not one that's going to assume a doomsday scenario for Miami. But if all goes well, that's a perfectly reasonable outcome for the Dolphins this year. Eight or nine wins. Before we get into pro football focus, 
because there's a lot to digest with what Pro Football Focus put out. I'm going to talk to everybody about our friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, and these things are legit. If you've been listening to Locked On Dolphins or my NFL Draft podcast with Joe Marino Draft Dudes for any length of time, you are well in the know that I stand Built Bar hard because these things are delicious, they're healthy, they've got between 150 and 110 calories per bar, They've got as much protein as a standard protein bar, but one-seventh the grams of carbs and sugar. And right now, BuiltBar.com has a sale to save you 50% off of your purchase. They are ready to move inventory to bring in new flavors, but that means their existing flavors, they got to go. So you swing over to BuiltBar.com right now, and instead of offering you the promo code that we had been advertising in the past, you can save even more money by getting your order during this flash sale time in which you could save 50% on your order. So swing over to BuiltBar.com, find out what all the fuss is about for yourself. And hey, I got a DM yesterday from a, a listener who said, hey, you know, I, I got my box. You know, you've been talking them up, and I'm happy to report these things are legit. I wouldn't lie to you. So check it out for yourself, BillBar.com. Make sure you get in on that action. And with that, we switch gears uh, to talk about this article by Pro Football Focus, which ranked each of the 32 NFL teams for the 2020 season based on their roster uh, rankings from last year. Here's, quote, the criteria that's applied. Pro Football Focus breaking down each team's roster using the PFF database with an eye towards the projected starters on each team. Using both PFF grades from 2019 and a more comprehensive look at each player's career using both PFF grades and statistics. Here's how the 32 rosters stack up entering next season. How far down this list do you think you'd have to go to find the Dolphins? They're not in the top 10. They're not in the top 15. They're not in the top 20. They're not in the top 25. They're 30th. The third worst roster in the NFL this season, according to Pro Football Focus, is that of the Miami Dolphins. They point to the secondary as the team's biggest strength, the biggest weakness, the offensive line. In their X Factor for 2020, they mentioned Preston Williams. Projected starters for this team, they included two running backs, Fitzpatrick, Howard Breida, Gasecki at tight end, Parker, Williams, and Wilson at wide receiver, a starting offensive line of Austin Jackson, Eric Flowers, Ted Karras, Robert Hunt, and Jesse Davis, and then defensively, Wilkins, Godchow, Raekwon Davis, Kyle Van Noy, Shaq Lawson, Jerome Baker, Raekwon McMillan. In the secondary, it's Byron Jones, Xavier Howard, Igbo, Eric Rowe, and Bobby McCain. The only two rosters in the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus, this exercise, only two rosters that are worse this season than Miami's are the Washington Redskins and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Do I disagree with this vehemently? Yes, I do. Uh, They point to the offensive line as the biggest weakness, and here was the analysis that they attached to it. Miami's offensive line might be improved over last season, but that's not saying much. The unit allowed pressure in two and a half seconds or less in 33% of their 2019 dropbacks, five percentage percentage points higher 
than any other team. The group's run-blocking grade was the worst in the NFL as well. Adding two rookies who looked to be projects and two starters on the interior with just one starting season of average play apiece at their position isn't going to completely wipe away those problems. Okay, so they're, they're talking about concern with Austin Jackson and Robert Hunt being pro-ready, and they're talking about Eric Flowers and Ted Karras each only having one strong season of play, and those being the four additions the Dolphins made to the offensive line. There's a couple bits of context here that I think are important to include when you forecast the Dolphins in their roster, uh, one of those being the personnel changes uh, and what those player grades from last year uh, what those players were being asked to do. So, for example, good example is Jerome Baker. Jerome Baker did not grade out favorably, according to Pro Football Focus. He had a grade of 46.2 last year, which is the worst amongst projected starters on the Dolphins for 2020. Does anyone who watched the Dolphins last year feel as though Jerome Baker is the worst starting defender on the team. I don't. I personally don't believe that. And I think Jerome Baker has a lot of value to provide the Dolphins' defense. Jerome had several splash plays last year that were negated by penalties from other players on the defense. Jerome was also asked to do a lot, especially some things that you ideally, in a perfect world, if you had better personnel, probably wouldn't be asking Jerome Baker to do, playing so much in traffic and in in congested quarters versus being a space linebacker and taking advantage of his speed and range. The Dolphins' personnel providing better answers to those roles so that Jerome Baker doesn't have to see his play suffer because he's being a team player and playing the role the team that needs him to play versus the the role that he would be optimal to play in is going to make him a better football player. Christian Wilkins graded out as a a 64.4, which is, I guess, slightly below average, maybe a little above average. I'm not exactly sure what their threshold is. It's either sixty between 60 and 70 is average. Christian Wilkins, another year of offseason and a year of being an NFL player under his belt, having better players around him on the defensive line are going to allow him to face less double teams. They're going to allow him to be in more one-on-one situations, to be more of a penetration player and win. Christian's not a nose tackle. But when Christian is far and away head and shoulders the best defensive lineman on the team, What do you think he's going to get a lot of? Double teams. He's going to get a lot of attention when the opposing teams know we can one-up and man-on-man a lot of these other guys and we can win those matchups. But Wilkins, let's make sure we get an extra body on him a lot. The Dolphins' roster on both sides of the ball is much more well-positioned to keep protecting their players from being singled out. It's much better aligned to put players consistently in the role that's going to allow them to shine the best. And that doesn't even get into the scheme changes that the Dolphins are facing with Chan Gailey coming in to be the offensive coordinator, replacing Chad O'Shea. Well, systemically, you have a very different 
style of play. Chad O'Shea, very pro style, a lot of tight end, heavy sets, a lot of option routes. You get Shane Gailey in here, we're going to spread the field out, we're going to spread you out, we're going to thin you out, we're going to isolate defenders, we're going to make it very easy to have an out. Now, one of the downsides to that style of play is you do run the risk of putting your offense into a box a little bit. Dolphins are probably going to operate a very high volume of their passes with inside 10, 15 yards of the line of scrimmage. They're probably not, unless they really get the run game going and they can work the play-action passing, going to consistently take a lot of deep-set drops. But that spacing of the field is going to allow for a quicker trigger with snap to throw. It's going to allow for more easy outs against pressure. So they're talking about the Dolphins gave up pressure in two and a half seconds or less on 33% of their pass attempts last year. First of all, that number sucks. They're not wrong. Second of all, it's impossible to be worse than that. They're right. They were 5% worse than any other team in the league. Their pass protection was terrible. Their line was awful. Nobody's going to deny that. But when you pair the personnel changes and the development that these players can make from start of season to end of season with the change in the style of play as well, that's going to allow more quick throws because it's going to be spaced. It's going to be easier to identify pressure because you don't have all defenders crammed into tight spaces. It should help to mitigate and protect. And we've talked about this on this show before. It's, the Dolphins' style of play, the Dolphins' offensive system under Chain Gailey, should protect them to a certain degree from being teed off on constantly because they're going to be running the ball. They're going to RPO. They're going to have built-in outs if they stack the box or if they shoot a defender in from off the hash. Okay, I'm going to pull it and throw it. Okay, I'm going to spread you out. It's third and six. And if you blitz somebody off the edge, guess where the ball's going? I'm throwing right around you. My guy's got to be physical, make one guy miss, or fall forward, and we got a first down. We'll keep moving the chains. There are enough built-in answers for the way the Dolphins are are theoretically going to structure their offense that I don't think it's going to be as big of a liability as Pro Football Focus frames it here. Now, with all that said, I have a lot of friends that work over Pro Football Focus. I have great respect for the charting that they do. I don't necessarily agree with all of their results and and conclusions that they make, and that's perfectly fine. I don't want anybody to walk away from this thinking I'm slandering PFF or anything like that. I just think there are enough changes in enough variables that extend beyond this is what we graded the player as last year, so this is where their roster ranks. But I wanted to poke some holes in in where they have the Dolphins ranked. And to finish, I want to work through some of the rosters that are above the Dolphins and ask ourselves the question, is the Dolphins roster better than this, yes or no? This doesn't even get into the fact that the Dolphins have better coaching staff than a lot of the teams around them as well. So, the 29th rated team, the first team above the Miami Dolphins, is the Carolina Panthers. So I look at this skill group. I think their receivers are better than the Dolphins with DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, and Curtis Samuel as their trio. 
I think their offensive line is no better off. They've got more known established players, but I don't think their ceiling is especially high in comparison to Miami's. They've got an offensive line of Russell Okung, John Miller, Max Paradis, or Matt Paradis, Michael Schofield, and Taylor Moton. Okung, if he's healthy, he's a good player, but he's getting up there in age a little bit. Moton, good young left tackle. Interior is a little, uh, little sketch. They have nowhere near the secondary the Dolphins does. They're starting... Secondary is Dante Jackson, Eli Apple, Jeremy Chin, who's a rookie, Justin Burris, and Trey Boston. His secondary is not better than Miami's. So I think the offensive line's a push. I think Carolina's got better skill players all around because they also have Christian McCaffrey. So better skill players. I do think Miami has better quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater versus Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tua. Dolphins have better secondary. The linebackers, Shaq Thompson, Tereer Whitehead, and Jermaine Carter. Dolphins have better linebackers than that group. Defensive line, Brian Birds, K1 Short, Derek Brown, Yeter Gross Matos. There's some exciting pieces there. I really liked Brian Burns in the NFL draft process. Derek Brown was one of my favorite players. Uh, but ultimately, I think the youth of Burns, Brown, and Gross Matos is a lot to clear versus some of the established experience that the Dolphins have with Godchow and Wilkins and Lawson and Ogba. So I would say def- the, the Panthers have better skill group, definitively, but that's it. And they don't have better coaching. They got a college coach in Matt Rule making his first impression as an NFL head coach this year. I would take Dolphins over that roster. Next on the list, the New York Jets. We've been through this. We had a whole show dedicated to how the Dolphins match up to the New York Jets. And uh, they match up very well to the New York Jets. And that doesn't even get into the coaching component. Uh, I would easily take the Dolphins roster over that of the New York Jets. New York Giants checked in at 27th. Skill group is Saquon Barkley, Deion Lewis, Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, Darius Slate. Saquon's the best player. Evan Ingram's super exciting. Darius Slayton's an exciting young player, but had like half of his yards last season in two games. Devontae Parker's the best wide receiver out of this group. Preston Williams is equally impressive and exciting as Darius Slayton in different ways as players. I'd maybe call this a push. Now the offensive line, Andrew Thomas, Will Hernandez, Spencer Pulley, Kevin Zeitler, Nate Soler. Projected starters. I mean, if you're going off the grades, Andrew Thomas graded well, but he's never played a snap in the NFL. And, you know, you could say that with with Austin Jackson and Robert Hunt as well. Uh, Spencer Pulley, projected starting center, is no good. Will Hernandez graded out below a 60 last year. I think these are comparable offensive lines. I would say the Giants have a little bit more established talent. So if you wanted to give the edge to the Giants offensive line, that's fine. Uh, Daniel Jones, I would take Ryan Fitzpatrick over Daniel Jones. So it's a push on offense. Defensively, their defensive line, Leonard Williams, Dalvin Tomlinson, Dexter Lawrence, Kyler Fackrell, O'Shane Zimenez. Uh, This edge group is way worse than that of the Dolphins, Fackrell and O'Shane Zimenez. 
Dexter Lawrence is an impressive talent, but so is Christian Wilkins. Dalvin Tomlinson is a stud run stuffer. Leonard Williams is kind of overkill. And the secondary, James Bradbury, DeAndre Baker, Julian Love, Xavier McKinney, Jabril Peppers. Dolphins have a better secondary, and Dolphins have better linebackers, Blake Martinez and David Mayo. So in all, the Dolphins, they check more boxes than the Giants. And that's kind of the theme you work up through here with a good deal of these teams in the 20s. You know, I don't think the Dolphins right now have a top half of the NFL caliber roster. They don't have the depth, which I would perfectly acknowledge at offensive tackle and wide receiver and outside pass rush and free safety. I think those are areas long-term the Dolphins need more answers to or more depth to at the very least. But you can continue to work your way up here for a lot of these teams in the immediate range that the Dolphins are in. The Rams, the Cardinals, the Raiders, the Bengals. These are all teams that are ranked comfortably above the Dolphins as far as when you stack this list from 1 to 32. And you can make a case. And, and with player develop again, player development, which is a core piece of what the Dolphins are trying to do with their roster is make better players with more time and more time to work hands-on with them. Young talent and the scheme changes. I would put this team probably, probably somewhere close to 20th right now. By the end of the year, if things go well, if the Dolphins start to mesh, you know, the, the system holds and these young offensive linemen kind of come into their own and they get comfortable. You add in, you know, another big free agent or two and another four picks through the first top 50 picks of the 2021 NFL draft. And then let's let these coaches go to work. And this roster can be where it needs to be to compete for a Super Bowl. Down the road. Not this year. That's okay, though. So I would... I. I Opened this article up, not really sure what to expect. I kept scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. I'm like, wow, like, this is really rough. And you get to Miami and you read the criteria as far as why, and I get why it came out that way. But I don't think it's fair to a projection to Miami to hold the players to their rankings from last year on the offensive side of the ball in a new system and to point out the offensive line issues while not acknowledging systemically the changes the Dolphins have made to put them in better position to be successful. And their standout players defensively, and how they are more suited to be impact players moving forward because they got a better team around them. Hope you guys enjoyed this Friday edition of Locked On Dolphins. I enjoyed working through a couple of uh, good pieces of NFL overall content as it pertains to Miami We'll be back again on Monday, so make sure you hit subscribe. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. And I hope you guys enjoy your weekend. I'll talk to you again soon.